people who are doing work at a community level. It's really kind of just what having organic conversations about like how people like naturally get involved and it's really not like this sports thing and it's really kind of like around your schedule and your life and what you're passionate about. Livewire Calgary presents Court and Keith Connecting Calgary, a community-focused podcast with your hosts, Courtney Brannigan and Keith Simmons. Hey everyone, this is Darren Krauss, editor at Livewire Calgary. I hope you're enjoying the Court and Keith Connecting Calgary podcast so far. I know that I am. So Courtney Brannigan and Keith Simmons are two of the hardest working community activists in Calgary. I'm not just saying that for the show promotion. You see, they've had their hands in a lot of things, not just in their own neighborhoods, but all across the city. They've also been great supporters of Livewire Calgary since I launched back in 2018. I'm really lucky they're in our corner. Courtney's been a great connector with different people and a source for stories in her community of Haysboro. Keith has attended both our neighborhood newsrooms and has also been a source for past stories in Acadia Over these past two years, this idea of community news has been percolating with them. The podcast started as a suggestion. It's a suggestion that led to beers one night at the Establishment Brewing Company in the Barley Belt, or I guess I can't call it that anymore. But we wanted to talk about what this would look like. We wanted to profile those unsung heroes in the community doing big and little things to make their neighborhoods better. We talked about it and how we could move it forward and what I needed to make it work. In this episode of Court and Keith Connecting Calgary, it's the first audio they sent to me. It's when the two of them met up in a park and chatted about how they got entrenched in their community, leading to a life of community advocacy. In true K-squared, C-squared form, it's a very organic conversation that talks about their individual journeys. Enjoy their stories. So we, uh, so Playground was a loose parts play pilot, um, and we convinced the city to let us keep it here. Uh, so yeah, it's a little bit of upkeeping, a little bit of management, um, and definitely adults always complain. They see it as mess, uh, and kids see it as like, this park is amazing! Yeah. Uh, no kid has ever walked up here and been like, nah, there's too many loose toys laying around. And just about seeing how we see outdoor play different, right? Yeah. That, I think, and challenge a lot more. challenge that perception of outdoor play. Oh, our fences came down. Your fences came we down. We had fences around like our big boulders to get some grass, some grass to reestablish after they put those in. Huh. So it's going to take a little bit of weeding, but anyways, good times. So Courtney, you have Kay. been the president of Haysboro for a while now. Yeah, so I'm in my third term. So yeah, I'll tell you. So how did I? How did Courtney get started? So actually, in my uh, at our old house, uh, we had a residents association, and I remember going to a couple of residents association meeting and feeling a little bit stuck because we had all these rules um, about like what we could use our funds for. Um, and we had hired a landscaping company and the flowers look like crap. Uh, so I remember being really frustrated up there. So fast forward, we actually ended up buying a house here in Haysboro. My daughter then was went to preschool and the call went out to have a playground committee uh, to redo the community playground. 
that's next to our hall and that our preschoolers use five days a week. So I started on that project in 2013. 2014, I joined the board of directors, first as a member at large, then I did uh, events and programs for uh, just over a year. Then I actually took on the VP role for a year and now I'm in my third year as president. Wow. So that's how I got involved. So yeah, saw the playground project through, uh, having conversations about a second playground. Uh, we've established some kind of regular programming at the hall and some events and activities. We've gone through a major exterior hall renovation. Looks um, good, by the way. Yeah, it is. It looks good. It looks good. Yeah, it was a bit of a slog, uh, but it looks good. <laughs> So that's all that matters. So you've got neighbors here yeah. in Haysboro that are yep. cool. What about some of your other neighbors around? Like, what about those crazy people across McLeod Trail? Yeah, I don't like them. They're not really great people. They, um... <laughs> no, yeah, so I think, so one of the cool things about getting involved in community is you often find people in other communities who have similar challenges and struggles. Um, and right now, I think definitely like around the whole aspects of planning and how our communities have been designed um, and how they're not really serving a modern lifestyle. Um, and that there's been value shifts in the way that we use our land, so roads, I mean, I think about sidewalk widths being a perfect example. I can't walk hand in hand with my two daughters on a sidewalk in my 1950s or 1960s neighborhood because that wasn't a priority then. Uh, people drove. Cars were still new. It was kind of that time when suddenly everyone could afford one. So a lot of emphasis on vehicle uh, movement. Yeah, uh, I definitely, we've got great proximity to transit. And so rethinking about how we use that transit space appropriately and who is around that space to use it and to maximize its use and so we share that with a lot of our neighbors Acadia, Fairview, Southwood uh, and in you know having conversations around planning uh, that's kind of how you and I got connected and then have since found our way into many other similar pursuits <laughs> many <laughs> but pursuits. many pursuits and, and I, I really appreciate having neighbors and a broader sense of community um, in that sense that it's more multi-community or multi-neighborhood uh, to have conversations about and to advocate with and to go back and forth. Uh, I'm sitting on a couple working groups with the city and um, you know I'm working with a guy from Cambrian Heights and having very similar conversations on how do we densify established neighborhoods in ways that serve the people who are living there and the people who need to live there from a quality of life perspective and how communities and neighbors uh, and the people living in those places can be advocates for that um, and to lead the discussion and lead the discourse on what change looks like and how change happens thoughtfully intentionally and again around supporting quality of life it's big and, stuff yeah and not, and, and not to say you know we're uh, anti-development or anti-change it's just how do those things support yeah, and how can Enhance. you be sensitive? Yeah, and sensitive. Yeah, um, sensible. So, maybe yeah, even and, as well. And um, you know, we were just talking about the great irony of my life is that you know, in, a, in a established neighborhoods, we have a lot of people who um, balk at renters and who uh, don't like densification. Uh, and due to uh, a change in my life, uh, I am going to now become a renter in an infill, and I love it. <laughs> 
And I think it's the great irony of all things. But I'm really happy I get to tell that story because as a community champion, I can advocate from a place of knowledge and experience and and to be able to tell that story in a way that really resonates with people because and just sort of break down those misconceptions and stereotypes cool so i'm excited for that believe it or not (laughs) well it's it's always good to have a good attitude going into next chapters right absolutely if you can't yeah see it for what it's able to become and the excellent part of it then yeah we're all gonna get stuck yeah okay what's keith's journey so you're currently past president. Uh, now I'm a former president because Whoa. there is a past president now, which is actually great. Past, I'm past president. Past, past. I'm a member at large now, which is really good from the having to chat about bureaucratic stuff. I don't need to hold my tongue so much. And this is one of the things that I think a lot of people don't fully appreciate, just how much balance a president needs to do in their task. I came into the community... Um, a number of years back, my now old son is, jeez, uh, he's what, 25 now, or just turned 25? So anyway, when he was about 12, was asked to do a, a written paper to somebody in government. So his choice was to, to send a letter to Rick McIver about mm-hmm. being scared to death about crossing the front of the road in front of his dad's house to visit his buddy across the street. And that was probably the eye-opener for me. And from then, I started uh, becoming involved in what the community was first as a traffic person, mm-hmm. but then also recognizing that I could probably provide some help on the bureaucratic interaction of how the community association works. And there was a lot of encouragement to continue on that path from the people in the community. And then I ended up being president for a couple of terms, which I thought was... Uh, I would have never pegged myself as doing that before I became Mm. president, but it's interesting to reflect on it and to go, yeah, this is actually a role that I think more people should be able to get their heads around without. It's it's not really, really over the top. It's it's good work. It's important work. It's one of those things where you uh, get an opportunity to express some leadership ability. But beyond that, it's it's mm-hmm. just being normal human stuff and you're just responsible for a certain thing. Yeah. One of the things I used to tell the board members all the time was, we're not these positions, we are stewards of this position. So when you're here, it's imperative that you do a great job. If you make friends along the way, that's great too. But it's most important that we do the best we can in the capacity that we're given while we're serving the time on the board. And I think that's resonated fairly well with a lot of the, the people who... Uh, continue to be on the the Acadia Community Association board, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's a, another time of flux for Acadia. We are looking for another president again, and I'm sure your CA has been in the same situation. Yeah, but we have people who are there right now, taking care of business until that right person comes up again, which yeah. I think is great. Total aside, do you think that the current structure of president, vice president, secretary, secretary actually serves our changing world of collaboration um it i think it can because you do have to have responsibility within the board in order to make sure that it it runs and doesn't run away from you wildfire wise yeah but yeah there's a lot of things where it can be shared i've heard of uh, co-presidency type of interactions which to me Mm -hmm. make a lot of sense especially when you're talking about volunteers and how much we're up against when you got people like you who are involved with so many different things it's nice to be able to share the responsibilities with someone else yeah. not to say that's an easy task to do because i think the understanding between the two has to be such that 
you can trust one another to make yeah. decisions when you're not there, that yeah. kind of thing. Ego is always a part of it, but that helps to, to get that down, helps to promote that collaboration that you're talking about, that gives yeah. the people to mm-hmm. uh, a chance to let people grow and take responsibility for what's going on around them and not be shrugging that responsibility to someone else who supposedly has a higher position than them. Right. And it's, it's yeah. rarely that. Yeah. Okay, so you uh, have been advocating for change on your street for 13 years. It's been a long time. <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> well, I did the math. You said when my son was 12 and he's now oh, 25. Yes. And so I was like, oh my God, Keith has been advocating for this change on his street for 13 years and nothing has happened. And I've seen the videos that you've put up of your other, like your other kids trying to cross and how insane your road is. And with all the best like knowledge out there that like simply scrubbing the paint off the middle of the road would be the simplest, quickest solution to, to start to create change. That boggles my mind. Yeah. That 2006. Insane. 2006 was the first um, traffic study that I had requested. So, yeah, it's 2019, 2006. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for the math. Thanks. Yeah. That's, that yeah. is. And then, uh, so uh, thanks for 13 years of Tyler's advocacy. And I kind of just want to point out to people like, oh, you must think Keith is like, hates cars, only rides his bike, but I know you got a big truck, so it's not that. It's really about talking about how do our most vulnerable people in our communities navigate so that they have option and choice, and so that as we, you know, are conscious of what we do with and of this planet, you know, twelve-year-olds can't drive; they need to walk to yeah. a bus stop. And, a and you're not—I I mean, how far is the bus stop away from your guys' place? Well, there's numerous. We've got transit right, right. there. I'm on yeah. a transit route. Yeah, but you don't need to, like, you're not going to drive your kids two blocks to catch the bus, Absolutely right? not. So, um, but if that child needs to cross the street or that senior citizen needs to cross the street, they need to be able to do so safely. And I know you guys have had a death in your neighborhood. Yeah, blocks away. Yeah. Uh, and how those continue to get overlooked. Now, did they put overhead flashing lights there? No. Because that seems to be, like, the standard go-to. Right? Like, you can get standard overhead lights, but only if somebody dies. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. That's where it's probably the most painful part for me is that we we foreshadowed a lot about what the potential was if we allowed yeah. the speeds to continue. And the outcome, of course, is that we had the fatality on the road. And even at that, the... The will, there's there's a lot of really great people in the city's administration who are taking care of business properly, but it's the will of the bureaucrats to say, you know what, mm-hmm. this is something we need to get our heads around. And it's uh, it's an interesting running conversation, and I have it with lots and lots of people because they are really resistant to driving slower than they are currently on these roads. Our communities, both of our communities, are surrounded by large thoroughfare mm-hmm. roads. You get on that road, get anywhere in the city you need to be going quickly you don't need to go through the places where the people are running that risk of having somebody or a pet i mean yeah it doesn't have to be your family well i guess furry furry family members are family members right right yeah a lot of people they they just don't grasp that they think that it's their their right to be able to drive by and the the Mm -hmm. funny other irony 
a lot of these people would love to see slower speeds on their own streets. They just don't want them on the streets yeah. that aren't where they live. Very much. Yeah, and that boils back to being good uh, community, be better peopling skills. Like, let's get to a point yeah. where we understand that if it's good for me, then it's very likely good for the other people in Calgary, and the other yeah. communities. Yeah, uh, the practice of empathy and design thinking. Okay, tell me about the favorite, your favorite thing that you've done recently to bring people together. Uh, I know where you're going with this. Well, it doesn't have to be beer. Oh, why it can not? be something else. I enjoy beer. <laughs> so uh, one of the board members, uh, his name is Blair Hone, has been wanting to do a beer festival for a number of years. While he was at the board table, I don't think it was... Uh, he had enough room, so he stepped away, continued on the web work, and then put his mind to getting this show going. And uh, we do Southeast Brewfest. It's a wonderful community joining, much more than I thought it was going to be. It's not just a place where people are showing up to get their bellies full of beer and get obnoxious, but these people come in, they sit down, they'll grab a, a couple of beers and then uh, play games and talk. And mm -hmm. we, we put this on for four hours. And for the most part, the people who were there were there for four hours, yeah. which was wonderful. I, uh, I saw the photos of like the long bar style tables, like pub style tables, which I loved because I think that in that proximity encourages conversation as opposed to individual standalone mm -hmm. tables, right? I love the intention intentionality behind that so yeah. and you had people from visiting neighborhoods come absolutely the, we finally got the the word out to everyone we could yeah and folks were taking it on there's like this is good we can go and sit down and have a beer and it's not going to mm -hmm. be super rushed and busy like a lot of these other beer festivals are and get a chance to meet some new people and i always love watching the folks at the end of the afternoon you don't get belligerent people out of a beer festival everybody's happy their cheeks are rosy everybody's yep. friendly lots of love that's yep. that's a wonderful thing about beer fests yeah and walk and you can walk home and you can walk home what right? a bonus in calgary what a bonus yeah absolutely and what's next uh next Next is us getting more of these uh, <laughs> next is this. interviews. This is next. This is, this is next. Yeah, we've <laughs> got to get more of the more of the folks that are doing these other things. Yeah. Recorded. Yeah. Awesome. Done. Awesome. Yeah, and um, yeah, and we're gonna reach into some other communities, right? We've often, you know, I've talked a lot about neighborhood communities, but there's different, you know, I said earlier, communities of practice. So we have, you know, an arts community. Mm -hmm. We have a beer community, beer <laughs> right? Community. We have um, community development community. We have community development communities. We have people who have a book club about urban development. I mean, there's other book clubs out there too, right? That's a community. Yeah, different different people do creating different sense of community uh, in lots of different ways, and so we need to find those stories and dig them out and have conversations. Yep, and getting right. the outcome that people yeah. start to realize that we're not we we need we can be better together. We need to spend more time interacting in a positive way. Yeah, and getting to know mm -hmm. one another first before we start to discover how we're different. Where I find a lot yeah. of the interactions today, let's let's discover how we're different first. Let's approach right. somebody with how we're different. Yeah, and then see how it goes. Right. And surprisingly, it doesn't typically yeah. go well. Last time I checked, you and I both had mostly the same body parts. Yeah, and I think it's uh, you talk about like that abundance mindset right we've got enough we have more and we have more than enough to go around and to share and to contribute and I think helping people 
uncover their hidden talents right as well right hopefully our listeners will say actually I do have a way I can get back to my community and it's not big or grandiose it's just a minor thing but it makes an impact and it makes a difference and it makes the world a slightly better place right you're exactly. leaving it better than you found it yeah and it's certainly not always about the money as everybody seems to want to glom on especially in Calgary <laughs> there's it's, no there's no money in volunteering I can no exactly there's no money in volunteering and there's no <laughs> the, the, sometimes the uh, the impact that these people have is is absolutely priceless Right. And to say yeah. that because it's not associated to money that it's somehow valueless is absolutely wrong. These these efforts are what make life the living part mm-hmm. rather than chasing the dollar and trying to figure out how you can be better than others or different than others. Let's see how we can be the same and find yeah. these people who are doing these cool things like this airplane overhead. <laughs> yeah. We'll just pause for a minute right under a flight path. 